Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 9 Barely half an inch high, Benedict Nail stands on the lip of his own mantelpiece, staring out at the lurid sodium glow of the street beyond the window opposite and trying very hard not to notice his own body sprawled on the rug below. Just hold on a minute, he says, trying to forestall any further insane developments. Let me just get this straight. By ghosts, that owl meant all of these ornaments that have come to life. Come to death would be more accurate, says the little China man standing next to him. We're ghosts. We haunt the mementos. And by scriptorium, he, he meant the bookcase over there, says Benedict. Oh, they know a lot, the ghosts there, says Mum, the little China woman on his other side. A lot of it's made up, but they still know it. And by saying that I was dying, says Benedict, he meant that you're dying, says Bobs, the China man. He'll be one of us then, won't he? says the China woman. All right, all right, says Benedict. No need to go on about it. I'll go to the bookcase. Uh, I don't suppose I've got anything to lose. Apart from your life, says Bobs. I said all right, says Benedict, furious, not so much at the mention of his death as at the whole charade. I'm going. Goodbye. And he grabs hold of the light flex that dangles down off the edge of the mantelpiece and starts to lower himself down. Good luck, calls out Bobs. Remember not to tell anyone any stories. Apart from us, says Mum. Tell him he can tell us. Benedict ignores them as he edges past the metal mesa of his Sonos speaker in the little nook beside the fireplace and then scrambles up onto the window sill. Bob's is shouting something else down from the mantelpiece, but Benedict puts his head down and steadfastly doesn't listen as he trudges across the bare white expanse of the sill towards the spider plant in the centre. Try as he might, though, he finds that he cannot entirely block out the fact that Bob's is now jumping up and down and waving his arms, and so he stops and calls back. What? I can't hear you. More jumping and waving. I, I still can't hear you. He says says a throaty voice from above him. Look out for the cats. Benedict doesn't even look round, because he knows what he'll see. Instead, he dashes for the plant pot just ahead, congratulating himself on choosing a good geometric design that's easy to climb. He is less impressed with his choice of a spider plant, whose leaves on close encounter turn out to be considerably stiffer and scratchier than he had anticipated. He scrabbles across dry earth, glad that he is so deleterious in his watering duties, and huddles in under the spikes of leaves as the shadow of the prowling cat passes over him and is gone in the gloom. He can still hear its voice, though, it turns out. This is an interesting turn of events, isn't it? says the cat. All those long evenings practising fighting your hand... And now I get a try at the whole thing. Now look, says Benedict, haven't I always been good to you? I I'm the one who feeds you, after all. And now you get one more chance to do precisely that, says the cat. But that's only one meal, says Benedict. The cat is circling the plant pot, and the voice keeps moving in the dark. Oh, I've still got your whole body down there 
says the cat. Plenty of eating on that. That'll keep me going for a while. You wouldn't, says Benedict, appalled. I'm your owner. Never paid much attention to me, have you? says the cat. Cats don't have owners. You're merely the human I currently tolerate. They'll put you in a cattery, says Benedict. You've got to let me get to the bookcase or I'll die and then they'll put you in a cattery and you won't like that. The voice stops moving for a moment, as if considering this development. I doubt any of the ghosts there will help you lift the curse, says the cat. What curse? says Benedict. The witch's curse, says the cat. Honestly, I marvel that humans ever figured out how to put fish in cans. You were given that witch as a present, but you put her in a drawer, and so she cursed you. Didn't you notice it was quite the performance? What are you talking about? says Benedict, who has entirely forgotten about the present from his upstairs neighbour. What witch? The cat starts prowling again, brushing up against the pot with barely concealed glee. You humans think you're so clever, says the cat, but you don't see the ghosts or believe in the magic. You have no idea of the madnesses of moths or the conspiracies of the spiders. It altogether better suits you to be tiny and defenceless and at the mercy of cats. Benedict has been so concentrating on what the cat is saying that he has failed to notice that the voice has stopped moving again, and suddenly a paw comes batting in out of the dark, swatting leaves aside. He jumps back under another leaf, trying to control his breathing, his heart thumping in his chest. How it had always amused him to watch his cat taunt some small creature, playing at preying on it, and how different it felt to be at the other end of that perspective. Once again, a paw darts in between the rustling leaves. And then... I remember when the tiger escaped from jam ratches, cries a voice, and there is a sudden catch of flame, and the gloom is filled with a flickering light. The paw is snatched away, and... I saw a leopard there in Bet Street, says another voice and Benedict sees the cat's shadow dance across the dark windows as it arches its back and hisses at Bob's and Mum, the china couple, rushing down the windowsill at it, their heads both blazing with a sparkling fire. They said old Jamratch put his hands down the tiger's throat and made it let go of the boy it was carrying, cries the woman, rushing at the cat. Now be off with you, you old puss, shouts Bob's shoving his hands into his flaming hair so they catch a light too, then waving them in the cat's face. The cat, thoroughly alarmed, backs up and misjudges the depth of the windowsill, slipping and then falling off into the shadows below. "'Wicked old tiger!' shouts the woman over the lip of the sill, while Bob's comes scrambling up the side of the pot, poking his fiery head in under the leaves. "'Come along, Mr Nail, let's be having you,' he says cheerily. "'He won't give up. They never do.' You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. 
You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast. And we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. (laughs) 